Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the second episode of the LFF podcast. My name's Rihanna Dillon, I'm a film critic and broadcaster and I'll be your guide to this year's BFI London Film Festival. I'll be taking you through the 2020 edition of the LFF, talking to some of the filmmakers whose films are premiering at the festival and highlighting some hidden gems. Think of this podcast as a handy guide to some of LFF's unmissable films, how to watch them, why they matter and a glimpse into the minds who made them. Today is the first day of the festival. Usually there is a mad race for tickets trying to scrounge a seat for the coveted event, but this year is an opening night like we've never really experienced before. There is no red carpet, there is no after party. Well, that's up to you. A lot of this is by necessity this year, but there's a larger story that courses through the festival. LFF this year is bringing to the forefront stories that are calling for social justice, action, rethinking our past and challenging the present. There's the opening night film, Mangrove, based on the real-life story of the Mangrove restaurant in London's Notting Hill. Directed by Oscar-winning filmmaker Steve McQueen, the film depicts the wrongful arrest for incitement to riot of nine local activists and the 55-day court trial that followed. Mangrove shows a chapter in British history that brings into focus the black British struggle. It stars Letitia Wright, one of the leads from Black Panther and Black Mirror, who's also going to be doing a free screen talk, which you can all watch tomorrow night on the BFI YouTube channel. Let's hear from the director himself on why this story appealed to him. I didn't know what the series would be as far as I thought it would be like one story going through a certain number of episodes, but it became a situation where there were so many interesting stories, so many interesting about black life in the UK and how, you know, this community changed the the the, the narrative of the country, changed the fabric of the country. And I, I didn't see any of that on screen, any of that even spoken about, really. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, it, was, it was vitally important that these pictures, these films got more than one go at it because of so many stories. And the mangrove had to be the one to start it. On Sunday, the 9th of August in North Kensington, a demonstration took place against the police, which degenerated into totally inexcusable violence. There may be some who believe that they have been the victim of injustice at the hands of the police. 
like parasites, feed on these beliefs and seek to turn them to their own advantage, deliberately creating hate and violence. These defendants are all guilty of the serious criminal offense. And it was just, you know, it just attracted me because it was, it was, it's, it's almost a, the movie is, is a Western, you know, um, it's a guy who opens like, you know, you can say a saloon, a cafe, you know, a hole in the wall in Notting Hill, Labra Grove in 1968 on All Saints Road and how that cafe turns into this huge incident, which goes all the way from this your modest cafe in Labra Grove to sort of, you know, all the way to the Old Bailey. I mean, it's something. Mangrove is part of Small Axe, a five-part film series for the BBC that premieres at LFF and then can be seen on BBC One in November. From a local story with huge repercussions to a worldwide cultural phenomenon, I spoke with Yemi Bamiro, director of the documentary One Man and His Shoes, which explores the impact of Air Jordans, one of the most popular sneakers ever designed. First of all, what is your relationship with Air Jordans? I guess I I would never call myself a sneakerhead. So mm-hmm. I, I, I've always sort of had an interest in trainers and an interest in sneakers. And for me, I think, you know, the entry point to this film was always a little bit of fandom. I'd always been sort of quite interested in, you know, sneaker culture from a Air Jordan perspective. Me personally, yeah, I have a few pairs, but I'm, you know, like I said, I'm I'm not as passionate or as enthusiastic as some of the people who I've met along the way making this film. So yeah, I, I guess that's my relationship. The documentary covers so much ground, you know, basketball, Nike, Michael Jordan and his stardom, the rise of Spike Lee, consumerism, poverty, gun crime. I mean, it's you pack in an enormous amount. What came first for you? How did you begin to shape the narrative? I think for me, first and foremost, it was always I wanted to sort of tell a definitive history about the Air Jordan sneaker. I'd, I'd never seen that film. I'd read books. I'd sort of like seen films on sneaker culture but I'd never seen anything that was specifically about this one shoe. What Michael Jordan was able to do was take it to that Babe Ruth place where basketball had become ingrained in the country's entire consciousness. The Air Jordan was something that transcended all these different borders that hadn't really been transcended before. The shoes gained very quickly a huge street value in American culture. And all of a sudden, overnight, it was just like everybody wanted them. What the hell is a Nike doing? We're in now the 80s, and we're putting a black guy on television to sell shoes to white America. What he did in terms of global marketing and giving other black athletes a blueprint to do that was quite revolutionary. The starting point was just bringing all all the sort of like all the factors that, you know, 
just encapsulated, you know, what, what this sneaker is. And, you know, I, I was really interested in the deal, you know, Nike's collaboration with Michael Jordan and how that all happened. So, yeah. So to answer your question, I think it was, you know, just looking at the history of the sneaker from a sort of broad perspective and then just understanding the mechanics of how, you know, 35 years after the first Air Jordan was released, why we are still talking about this sneaker and why nothing has ever eclipsed its success or, you know, its financial impact on the world. And I loved that this wasn't just a who's who of celebrity talking heads who loved Michael Jordan. How did you decide who to put at the front and centre of the film instead? Yeah, I guess it it had to be a definitive story. I, I wanted the men and women who were the, actually there in the late 70s and, and, and the late 80s who were sort of integral to uh, forging uh, this sort of this this deal with Michael Jordan and with Nike. So it, it was, you know, I, I was really obsessed with finding those men and women. And a lot of them, you know, if they were sort of like, in their late thirties or early forties in, in, in the seventies, then, you know, they're a bit older now, so they weren't that easy to track down. But yeah, I, I was really interested in not having people that weren't a part of it. I wanted the people that were there and the people that were sort of like privy to the conversations that, yeah, went into sort of like making this phenomenon. Because I think if you think about it in that respect, they are sort of like the early architects of sneaker culture. You know, mm. Peter Moore, the guy that, you know, designed the first Air Jordan. He's like, you know, he's well into his late 70s now. But it all started with the Air Jordan 1 and, and it continued with the Air Jordan 2. And, and, you know, he was very much a part of designing that shoe. So I think I wanted, you know, I wanted the people that were integral to this story, the people that were integral to this phenomenon. I didn't want to just have like influencers or you know, just kind of people that had heard about the phenomenon and, and, and had written books about it. I, I wanted the people that were actually there in those meetings, in those rooms to sort of like tell me how, how these things will happen, basically. And then there's Mogul Mowgli, the intense, visceral debut film by director Bassam Tariq, where the multi-talented Riz Ahmed, who produced, co-wrote and stars in the film, plays Zed, a British-Pakistani rapper whose life spirals out of control when he falls ill. And Riz is absolutely fierce in this film. It's a performance that's like nothing you've seen before. Let's hear from him and the director on why you should give Mogul Mowgli a chance. It is, on one level, very much a kind of personal story, a family story, a story about, you know, our desire to live as individuals and the inevitability of the realization that we are all actually a link in a chain. And that chain is something that grounds us and anchors us and gifts us the heritage, you know, of Kawali music and a sense of place and a sense of mission uh, and a community that you want to kind of represent, but it also presents the curse of a certain kind of burden and inherited trauma and, you know, genetic and societal obstacles. Yeah, we'll ask you where you're from. Now, where are you from? The question seems simple, but it answers kind of long. Britain's on board, and I love a cup of tea in that. 
away my jeans are from people don't believe him seeing that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's an amnesia and a narrowness in Britain's idea itself, but also in our idea of ourselves that we've internalized. And sometimes it's easier to have that amnesia. Sometimes it's easier to have a narrower idea of yourself than such a sprawling, contradictory idea of yourself, one that bears both the scars and the spoils of empire, you know, one that isn't simply black or white. And it's, you know, you know, Ali Khan, who plays the father, his character is actually holding on to the simplicity of having a narrower idea of his own story, one that actually discounts partition. So this is, it's a collective amnesia. It's not just a British amnesia. It's an amnesia that makes it simpler for us to hold on to a, a clearer idea of who we are, whether that means we forget about partition, we forget about colonialism, or we forget about the good things at home when we're just trying to run away from it and do better than what we came from. One thing that I wanted to say is that Riz and I, we did a lot of research uh, when we were working on this film and trying to figure out what it is that we're trying to build. And I think it's important to kind of maybe even mention a, a few of these elders or people that have passed away that, that have been kind of important to our journey. And one is Sabat Hassan Mandur, who is this uh, writer in Pakistan who wrote a lot about partition. His stories are really sparse. They'll be like only two pages long, but they'll have so much going on in it. And I think so much of how we film the movie kind of mirrors that. And he's talking about this amnesia as the amnesia is actually happening. And the character of Toba Tek Singh actually comes from one of his short stories. 
and it's it's a reference and also homage to him. So um, I felt like for us, really leaning into you know like okay, what is our heritage? How did they in the past talk about these things? Because what we're going through isn't necessarily unique, and and looking at stuff that we can use from our past traditions is actually kind of empowering. And seeing that we're actually standing on their shoulders, and we're actually continuing this, as Rizid said earlier about this chain. Um, and we're just this other link in a chain. So if we look back in that chain to see, okay, what is it that we can add and learn from as we kind of strengthen our own little, you know, little piece of it. Our hopes for the film is that it reaches a lot of different people and on a lot of different levels. As you said, like some people understand these references, some people go on a kind of learning journey. You know, I, I hope it reaches people who, you know, have who might be naturally drawn to a kind of slightly experimental film and also to people that who, who wouldn't be and connect with a kind of musical element in it. I think in many ways is a film that's quite hard to put into any one box, just like Zed, just like Basama and I, just like the complex identities that the film explores. And so our hope is that that is a strength for the film and that it kind of um, transcends the pigeonholes that our stories are often placed in. Also screening at the festival and around the UK is Garrett Bradley's profoundly moving documentary, Time, about a woman's 20-year fight to free her husband from incarceration. Bradley beautifully combines home movie and new footage of Fox Richardson's decades-long battle against the US penal system to create a stunning ode to one woman's resilience. Time won the Documentary Directing Award at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year, making Bradley the first black woman to ever win that award. Let's hear from her about her unique way of working with her subjects. I had initially conceived of that film as being more of a facilitation um, that could be intergenerational conversations between women about their situation, uh, how they were all in very similar situations and were navigating that in different ways. And so I had contacted an organization called Flick friends and families of Louisiana's incarcerated children. And uh, Gina Womack, who um, is the co-founder and director of that organization, picked up. And I'll never forget, I was at the grocery store and it was like really loud. And I was trying to explain to her what I was doing, what I was hoping to do. And she said, well, the first person you have to speak with is Fox Rich. And at that point, you know, the family had gone through 19 years of Robert's incarceration. And so Fox is actually in um, several seconds of Alone of this short film. And I felt, you know, for me, it was really important to think about how the conversation of incarceration could be extended, how we could think about this issue from a feminist, Black, Southern perspective, and from the familial perspective, from the effects of incarceration, as opposed to incarceration in and of itself and the statistics and the numbers, which are equally as important, but I think um, need to be also coupled with what is the after effect of, the, what is the ripple effect of these things. Judge's office. My name is Sybil Richardson and uh, my family is awaiting on a ruling regarding my husband's matter. I was just wondering if you might have any information on, like, an update on it. If no, anything. we don't have anything. Yeah, just what's up on Monday. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay. All have right. Have a weekend. Bye-bye.
question again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. No, we don't have anything. Alrighty, thank you so much. My twins will be 18 next month. They have absolutely no idea what it means to have a father in their house, what fathers even do. Did you get any word from over at the big house today? No, nothing yet. Nothing yet? No. Okay. You got a chance to call today? I have not. No? Okay. Man, these people have no respect for other human beings' lives. No matter how sane or how understanding you try to be, it just will make you lose your absolute mind. Success is the best revenge. You're going to show them that they can't treat human life this way. Success is the best revenge. Just hang in there because when you get them home, they're going to pay, they're going to pay, they're going to pay. I knew that if it was going to be, it was going to be totally up to me. When I'm making films with people and I don't consider it to be, I don't think about the people I'm making films with as subjects, you know, that I'm, I really think to a certain extent, it's a matter of understanding somebody well enough that I can anticipate the way in which they move through space, what their hopes and dreams are, what their fears are, what the things are that are blocking them from what they want and allowing the form of the visuals, the, the actual formal structure of the film to be a celebration and representation of their uniqueness. And I think that that's where, for me, it's it's not about like trying to be on somebody's heels or being behind them at every moment because I would like to think that I know where they're going, you know, so that my camera can be in one place and life can feel uh, lived as it is for them. So we are with them, we're not behind them or looking at them. All of these films, Mangrove, Time, Mogul Mowgli, One Man and His Shoes, are exquisite and moving and will not leave you indifferent. We will link in the show notes to where you can find tickets to the screening and events relating to these films. And remember, you can only watch the films if you're UK-based, but you can tune into the events for free and from anywhere around the world. If you've only got 30 minutes and you're not sure if this new digital festival experience is for you, let me recommend a short. Hashtag follow me takes a look at the Iraqi women who are weaponizing social media to challenge the norms and traditions in their country. Take a look, get a taste of the festival, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode of the LFF podcast. In the meantime, get involved. Send us a voice note about your take on LFF this year to festival.events at bfi.org.uk and we'll include the most enthusiastic ones in this podcast as we go along. I'm Rihanna Dillon, your guide to LFF 2020. You can follow me online at Rihanna Dillon and join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag LFF. That's it for this episode of the LFF podcast. It's produced by Anna Bogutskaya, edited by Olivia Graham, with music composed by Frank Johnson. And you can find them on Instagram. 
You can subscribe and listen to the podcast on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your shows. Just search for LFF Podcast and we'll be there. In the next episode, we'll be talking about some of the creepiest films that are showing in the festival this year. That's all for now. Thanks. <laughs>